Welcome to FHSU Tilt Talks, a podcast about educational technologies, teaching and learning, scholarly research, and service, hosted by Teaching Innovation and Learning Technology staff. Welcome to our series on collaborative learning. This is a two-part series. The first part features face-to-face collaborative learning with Dr. Yang from Communication Studies, and the second part features Bruce and Jane Miller, who are faculty in our cross-border institution in China, and they'll be discussing collaborative learning in China. My name is Letitia Haig. I am the Faculty Development Training Specialist in Teaching Innovation and Learning Technologies, and today we're discussing collaborative learning. So collaborative learning is an umbrella term for a variety of educational approaches that involve joint intellectual effort by students or also students and teachers together. In most collaborative learning situations, students are working in groups of two or more, mutually searching for understanding to solutions or meanings or even creating a product. So today we're discussing how in collaborative learning, knowledge is socially produced by consensus among peers by creating those shared artifacts and meanings. And I'm happy to introduce my guest, Dr. Yang from Communication Studies. So Dr. Yang, can you share a little bit about yourself before we begin our discussion? Of course, thank you for inviting me. My name is Xinyan Yang. I'm an Associate Professor of Communication Studies. I've been in uh, teaching in higher ed for 17 years. Oh, how time flies. And, yes. and uh, I, I've been teaching the communication theory classes, the public relations, advertising, intercultural communications, and uh, uh, writing classes. So I have been using collaborative learning uh, strategies in all my classes, and I have some strategies to share. Great. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And I apologize, I butchered your name. Um, you'll have to forgive me for my Western Kansas accent when I introduced you. So thank you for clarifying that. Oh, no, so, no, no. Your pronunciation <laughs> is perfect. Okay. So let's start off. Um, you just mentioned that you've been using collaborative learning strategies. So can you explain some of those collaborative learning strategies and techniques or projects that you've utilized in your courses? I think the one thing that's very important is that sometimes the students will complain to me that they were put into the, a group without much guidance. So today I want to share the my experience of structured collaborative learning. Uh, by the way, I want to talk a little bit about my background. When I was a graduate student, I spent a year working at the Center for Teaching at the University of Iowa. So other than teaching in the classroom, I also had the privilege to learn uh, teaching theories, the pedagogies, and also went to a lot of classrooms to observe, record, and analyze uh, the educators' strategies. So here I want to share that for collaborative learning, it's really important to create organized and structured learning experience for the learners. So for my classes, I use collaborative learning in research project, writing projects, service learning project, and uh, also strategic campaign design. So uh, I, I think I will gradually share a lot of information, but one thing that's very important is that I think there are at least three things we need to do. Number one, we give the group project, the assignment itself. So say it's a chapter presentation or a campaign design. The, the assignment itself could be very complex. But in addition to that, I would say we need to build a team. So I want to focus on the notion of the team. So they don't need to trust each other, work with each other, under, understand each other, and they need to hang out 
and also they need to know their roles. So sometimes in the team agreement, so other than the assignment, I have a specific team agreement in which I'll tell them their roles and also how they can build a communication plan. So in the team agreement, I start with this paragraph. I said, your assignment to a team is based upon the principle of spreading the quote unquote wealth of resources across teams. For example, past experience, major, skills, cultural background, and etc. You should value your teammate, uh, teammates from two perspectives. You are all pretty equal, and you each may have some particular strengths to bring to the discussions and the team project, da, 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 da. So the students have the mindset to come to the assigned team that we all have something to share, to contribute. Then the next thing they need to do is to come up with a communication plan. For example, they need to talk about their preferred media. For example, are they going to use only email or are they going to text each other? Also the time frame. We want to respect the students, especially the non-traditional students. They may have small kids and other uh, responsibilities. So we want to make sure they talk about their time frame and their preferences. Also, I ask all the students to check their emails twice a day to keep updated with the course requirements. And also, I might check in with them. That's and a the, great suggestion because I think sometimes students lack uh, the knowledge of that you need when you're working in a group, you need to be checking that information. That's a great yeah, idea. Exactly. So I require all the students to check their emails at least twice a day. And also, uh, I know later that we might talk about some students don't feel it's fair. So I also include a fire, firing policy. So I will talk a little bit about that later. And also, uh, the, the third very important document is the peer evaluation. And uh, sometimes I will even give them the uh, peer critique from other groups. But within the group, they, will, they know from the very beginning, they will have a peer evaluation. I even share the evaluation form with the students at the very beginning of the project. So they know what's coming up. Yeah, they know what to expect. So they're not surprised at the end if, if somebody feels they haven't completed what they need to do, correct? Exactly. So yeah. that's a big picture of the strategies I use for all my collaborative learning classes. Yes. I love how you've put it into three parts. So you give the, the assignment or the project, you then expect them to build a team, because I think that's probably an important part that we sometimes overlook in collaborative learning. We put them in the group, but then we just expect them to have some sort of camaraderie and they don't always have that. So I think that's awesome that you have them build a team and then they build that communication plan for that third step. So I like that. That's really good. Thank you. So that kind of leads into, you know, collaborative learning attracts interest because it addresses several major preoccupations related to improving student learning. We want our students to have a meaningful and lasting learning, and that occurs when they have personal and active engagement. And so with those three steps that you have, um, how does the collaborative learning you implement offer that personal and active engagement in your courses? And you talked a little bit about that, but can you expand on that just a little bit? Uh, yes, I, I think that's, that's a great question. I think the students need to feel safe in order to share their opinions, their ideas, and also be creative. I think creativity needs a safe place to happen. So we need to uh, make that safe place first for them. And also students need to uh, learn how to recognize their own values and the strength, and also how to respect one another. 
So in the group project, I noticed that students, once you give them the mindset environment, they know that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to be silly. It's okay to be bold. And uh, they feel th this is the, the environment for them to speak their mind. And that's usually better than uh, just a, a traditional lecture. They might feel stupid in front of the instructor if they say something wrong. Like in the group, they feel like they are with their peers. And, it's, and I make sure that they feel safe to voice their opinions, respect each other, and uh, even make mistakes. And that's how we learn. So I think that's very important. Also, I noticed that a lot of students actually became the best friends for life. Later, they became career partners, and uh, or you see the best man or the, uh, the maid of honor at their weddings on Facebook. You see the pictures. And where did they meet? They actually met in our groups in the class project. So I love that. That is yes. awesome. That kind of goes along with what, what I want to ask you next is, you know, so what are some of those side benefits of collaborative learning activities? You, you've talked about there's some active listening. Um, there's also collaboration outside their social circles. And it sounds like once they get outside those social circles, they're developing some of those friendships for life. Are there some other things that you have seen with your collaborative learning projects that Yes, or a side benefit of collaborative learning outside of the project itself. And yes, I think when the students study uh, on their own all by themselves, it's very easy to just think very in a linear way. You don't think about other voices, other people's perspectives. But when we put them in a group, assign them into a group and guide them, they tend to develop the, the ability to listen empathetically. They will use the empathy to try to put their, themselves in their the other people's shoes, also analyze when they listen. So we, when we talk about communication or decision-making, we tend to talk about how you express your opinions and to be expressive, talk about your ideas, be creative. But sometimes we forget that in the group project, the first thing they need to do is usually listening, including research. So the students tend to develop that kind of ability to listen first and to speak later. And also they develop a sense of accountability. When they study by themselves, they can do anything. And uh, maybe they wake up at 10.30 or in the afternoon or not, not doing anything. But when they are in a group, they develop a sense of accountability and the preparedness and the punctuality. And also they learn how to turn off their cell phones when they come to a class, go to a class or come to the meeting and pay full attention. So I will share the, uh, my team agreement, the forms uh, with Latisha, with Tilt. And uh, I actually shared the forms years ago when I did a, another presentation and uh, intercultural communication, I shared some strategies back then. So uh, feel free to use it and also modify it. So why not? Yeah. I would say that'll be great. We'll make sure we have those on our Tiger Learn blog where they'll be able to listen to the podcast. And um, so that'll be a great resource. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. So the students really learned the strategies and the skills that they need for their career and in their everyday life. So imagine that they learn how to put their phones away on the dining table at the dinner table and pay full attention to their loved ones. So those uh, side effects have lasting impact in their lives. 
I love that. We as a family have a rule that there's no cell phones at the dinner table. And so um, I think that's a great place that it's just reinforced and, and students get to learn that. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, many employers want graduates who have a willingness and readiness to engage in some productive teamwork. And you've talked a lot about how that happens. So explain how the use of collaborative learning in your courses offers the opportunity for the development of those skills. So we talked about the side benefits, but now these are the teamwork skills that employers are looking for. Yes. Again, that's a great question. I think that employers nowadays, they are looking for people who can uh, focus and get things done on time, in time and on time. So think about this. The uh, If you been watching the news, you probably uh, heard a lot about social media addiction or digital media addiction. So when we train the students to pay attention, put the phones away and listen critically, empathetically, those are the strategies, those are the skills not everybody possess. So the students learn how to uh, also think critically. So in my classes, in the uh, media and society class, for example, we go through the critical process and I use that for every class. For example, we start with description. You need to learn how to describe then how to analyze, find the patterns, then interpret the meanings, then evaluate the uh, good and bad. Is it good or bad? Why is it, why should we celebrate it? What does it do politically, societally, and historically? And also finally engagement. What are we gonna do about it? Do we write a letter? Do we go on a rally or simply do a kind thing in our everyday lives one day at a time? So. Those are the things we implement in those collaborative learning and also the effective decision-making process. And we talk a lot about uh, how to avoid groupthink. So in case you are not familiar with the, this is psychological term, it's a psychological mode and a phenomenon in which the people in a small group tend to just stick to each other and they, they try not to avoid, to, to voice their critical uh, voices. They, they tend not to say no. They will just say, oh, okay, I agree. So a lot of disastrous decisions made, was made, were made in a lot of groups and even in our foreign policy. So we also trained our students how to listen to each other uh, attentively, empathetically, but also critically. And they feel free to voice their different opinions and find the value in diversity. Very so good. Yeah, well, and I was going to touch a little bit. Um, you haven't talked a lot about the project that you um, you and I discussed that sort of started this whole conversation over, over how you've used collaborative learning. So I'd, I'd like for you, can you take just a, a couple of minutes and kind of touch on that project that you worked with several years ago where you had your um, students designing a, correct me if I'm wrong, but marketing, but you were also working with the education department. And so it was kind of sort of cross-departmental um, collaborative learning too. So can you talk, touch on that a little bit? So could, because I like that idea of how the group think, it's important to realize that they need to be able to voice their opinion, especially when they're working with different uh, departments and different groups of people. Yes. And so uh, in 2014 and 2015, that was a, a few years ago, but that project lasted for uh, several years. I, co I collaborated with the faculty in teacher education uh, Dr. Lori Cook Benjamin and I, we started a project. We secured a di uh, the Tilfer Diversity Grant, and uh, we included students from the Diverse Learners class in teacher education and the Strategic Writing class in communication. 
we collaborated to support this uh, community education project in Mexico. It's called uh, Volcanus. Okay, so they need funding and they have teachers from all around the world to teach these uh, students, young kids, most of them are young kids and also young adults uh, to study computer science and English so they can work uh, for tourism and uh, get out of poverty. So that was a very meaningful project. We also work with our graduate who was the coordinator of that project uh, back then. Her name, her name is Megan Shelton. So she connected us and brought in a lot of pictures and uh, uh, video footage. So uh, our classes collaborated uh, with structure and a lot of interactions. And later uh, the writing class created a GoFundMe website. So we, with a lot of support and also students and the teachers from teacher education, communication studies from all uh, around campus, also around the country, later we generated $7,000 for the project. And a lot of students and, that, and also the local children and the families benefited from this education opportunity. So that was wow. a high impact project. When you told me about it, that's just an amazing project. And um, hopefully you'll be able to share it. Um, I know there's a website that kind of explains it. And we can also link that in the on the Tiger Learn blog as well. Uh, so people can take a look at that. Um, I, I want to jump back. Earlier, you mentioned how sometimes students feel collaborative learning is unfair, that one or two students do all the work. So how do you address the difference between collaborative learning and group work in the projects that you do in your classes? That's a very important for group projects, for team learning, uh, collaborative learning. So I think we need to give them explicit expectations and also we need to address accountability and remind them of fair share and empathy. For example, I always say that if somebody's not contributing in about two weeks, you let me know. So that means I'm working with them alongside with them. I'm not just like, okay, go. Here's so you're not problem. leaving them, you're not leaving them high and dry. You're still involved. No. Yes, I tell them that I'm here for you. I'm working with you. Anything comes up, let me know. But when you check on your teammate, Please, first of all, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. So be caring, be a human being first. And if that person is not responding and not being responsible, or you, you feel you, you are worried, let me know and I will step in. So also I have a, for, a firing policy. So that's it for the student who didn't contribute for, for a considerable length of time. For example, maybe two weeks. Okay, so the student can complain about it to me and uh, I will talk to the student. If things don't change, and they can, uh, the majority of the group can fire that student. Then that student will have to work with me one on one. And most students will avoid that opportunity. <laughs> but, I love that. That's great. <laughs> so that's on the uh, team agreement. So the students knew that in the very beginning, at the very beginning of the project, that if they don't participate, they will work with the professor, and they will meet with me one on one. So. In some cases, the students actually had a fam family emergency. So group project was not the best option for them. So I do want to speak for on their behalf that sometimes it's not that they are lazy, they are slacking, it's just something happened. So this, this is a great opportunity to provide equality and accommodation for, uh, to the students who are in need. Yeah, I call those moments life happens moments. Um, and I, I discussed that with my students at the beginning of the semester. We all have life happens moments. We think things are going to go well, but we can never plan. So I love that. 
um, accountability that you have, but also the awareness that the groups need to have when they're working together. Exactly. I think a sense of belonging also helps students learn. Yes, very good. So can you talk a little bit then, um, so you're talking a little bit about the firing policy and what the accountability looks like. How do you assess individual student work in a collaborative project? And then how do you know that that student actually deepened or increased their knowledge of the course curriculum? I think the first of all, after the whole project was done, usually we, we will have a debriefing session. So after the uh, each presentation, we'll have debriefing. And after the whole project was done, we'll have class discussion. So students can voice their learning experience. So most students will say that I did not know about this theory, or I didn't know this group, this organization even existed. Or in the past, I even had a student, a student athlete who said, I have never heard of Title IX, for example. And now I know the sexual assault situation is so severe uh, in this country and the, in, the, in the world. I learned so much from this project. So I will let give them this opportunity to talk about their learning experience, their concerns, and what can be done next to make this class better. So I think it's very important to have a debrief, debriefing session. So instead of just straightforward, go ahead and finish it, we also have to talk about what they, what they have learned. And also the students know from the very beginning. In general, I'll give the, all the team members the same grade. However, I will review their peer, peer evaluation so their peers can evaluate their participation and their contribution. If a student has a significantly low performance, I'm going to duck the points. So they will have a, they will have a, a significantly lower grades. And uh, I have no problem to say no to the student. So if the student doesn't participate, we communicate with, with this student constantly, regularly, and nothing changed. Uh, we can fire the student or give the student a much lower grade. So that's also something we need to address throughout the project. That's what I was going to ask. Do you do you assess them throughout the project or is it just one overall assessment at the end of the project in terms of how they're collaborating with their, their group? I would I would suggest that if this is a longer project, the time is pretty long, I would say have a survey, have a peer evaluation at very big, uh, in the middle of the project. And also I check on each group very frequently. So they know they have time to talk to me. And sometimes the student is missing and I will say, uh, is everything okay? Is this student participating? And you can observe on the student facial expression and how they yeah. express their views. You know, if they are kind of trying to cover it up for the student or if they feel very confident that yes, she's or he's uh, participating and uh, we, we are doing well, don't worry. Very good. So that kind of leads into, you talked about how you can assess their if you're face-to-face -face with them, do, have you ever utilized a collaborative learning project or something along the lines of collaborative learning in an online course? That's a challenge. Yes, that's a challenge for me. So for synchronous learning, I did. So I used Zoom, breakout room, and a team project. Basically, I use a very similar team agreement, peer evaluation, assignment, so for synchronous learning, it's easier to use my materials. However, in the traditional online courses, because we have to accommodate a lot of adult learners, non-traditional students, they probably have a full-time job, full job 
and also have children or elderly to take care of. So it's very difficult to schedule, uh, to ask them to schedule a time to meet with other people. So I will try to make it simple. For example, I'll use a discussion board so they can still collaborate asynchronously. And that's an area I'm still trying to explore because I want to make sure the students are treated equally and uh, we really pay attention to diversity and uh, people have different backgrounds and, uh, and also time frame and different needs. Gotcha. So that's all the questions that I have for you today, but you are so knowledgeable and I've, I've loved, I've learned so much for you, from you in just this little bit of time. Is there anything else you want to add to kind of summarize or, or something that maybe we didn't cover that you feel is important when we're discussing collaborative learning? I do want to share the, my experience. Number one, collaborative learning is not time-saving. It, it needs a lot of, uh, requires a lot of planning. So here, let's do collaborative teaching as educators. I'm here to help and I'm here to learn. I'm always learning. And I learn so much from my colleagues and also my students. And I want to share a story from last semester. So in the fall of 2022, I was assigned to teach a communication theory class, which I didn't teach for almost 10 years. So you can imagine that uh, how insecure I feel. And this is my 17th year teaching in higher ed. And uh, I still have the butterfly in my stomach. So in that class, the first two, few classes, I used the traditional lecture to lay the uh, groundwork. And you can see the students were looking at the, at the outside of the window and uh, they, they look bored, they took notes and uh, there was no life in the classroom. So even though I was trying to be dynamic and uh, knowledgeable and engaging, the response was just not there. So I told the student that the first the students that the first two classes will be a little like this, but after that we'll have a lot of discussions and the group project. So once I implemented collaborative learning, you hear laughters and you get emails saying that Dr. Yang, I'm so sorry I couldn't come to class today. I love this class. I hate to miss it. And I was like, oh my gosh. That, that is that is awesome. So I was very pleased. But during the mid-semester, I did a survey to get some feedback. And uh, I was, to my surprise, uh, the students' responses were overwhelmingly positive. They said, we love what you are doing. Keep doing it. And I think the most important thing I did was collaborative learning. So for every class, they have at least one group project, a discussion or presentation, and uh, they have a chapter presentation, a final project. So they love each other. And the, on the last day, uh, when I say goodbye to them, they actually lined up to shake my hands and gave me hugs. And uh, one student walk out of the classroom and say, this is my favorite class. Merry Christmas. And I was, oh my God, I was speechless. So that's the impact of collaborative learning. So I want to say that earlier we shared this $7,000 fundraiser impact, but also I think in the classroom and also outside of classroom, you can also make an impact in the students' lives. And also their entire learning experience may change because of you. So I highly recommend using collaborative learning. That is awesome. That really speaks to the importance of that social belonging. We are social creatures and we want to feel safe in an environment. So it sounds like you really developed that in your courses. So um, I, I want to thank you today for joining me and sharing 
just a wealth of knowledge on collaborative learning. Um, I really appreciate the information that you've shared, and we'll be sure and share out those resources that we discussed during the podcast recording um, on our Tiger Learn blog so that others can benefit from your great knowledge. So thank you. I'm honored. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Stay tuned. This is the end of the first podcast with Dr. Yang for Collaborative Learning. We will have a second release with Bruce and Jane Miller for Collaborative Learning in our cross-border institutions. Thank you for listening to this episode of FHSU Tilt Talk. Subscribe on Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. In the meantime, check out the Tiger Learn blog or the Tilt social media pages for updates. We'll see you next time.